Welcome to Law for Community Workers On The Go, a series of podcasts designed specifically for community workers, health workers and anyone else who works to support people in their community. This series is brought to you by the Community Legal Education Team here at Legal Aid New South Wales and our aim is to help you help your clients. So tune in whenever you can, in the car, on the train, at the gym, cooking dinner, basically wherever you already listen to podcasts. So we hope you enjoy today's episode and that you learn something new and interesting. In this podcast, I'm talking to Finn Hipkin. Finn's the solicitor in the consumer team here at Legal Aid New South Wales. And in this discussion, we covered a range of topics, including what the consumer law team does, why Finn sees consumer law is so important, and what the recent establishment of the Australian Financial Complaints Authority means for community workers. Finn is really passionate about what he does and really knows his stuff, so I hope you enjoy the discussion. I'd like to begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land where we're recording this podcast, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, and pay my respects to their elders past and present. Uh, Finn, great to have you with us today. If I could just get you to start off by talking about a particular case study where you feel like you or your team has had a really big impact on a client. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was having a think about the the client that I've assisted that's really shown the value of the work we do in the consumer team. And the client that sprung to mind was a paraplegic client who lived in regional New South Wales. We ran an outreach there. Her legal issue was that she had purchased a motor vehicle. And because she's a paraplegic, the motor vehicle had certain specifications that uh, you know she needed in order to operate it. She bought this vehicle from a, a used car dealership in Sydney for about $20,000. Soon after purchasing the car, it broke down. There were quite a few failures with the car. She was unable to get an outcome by negotiating with the dealer and she was left pretty much immobile you know she used a wheelchair and, and really needed this car to get around we took instructions from the clients and identified that the supplier had breached certain sections of the ACL or the Australian consumer law um, we we tried to negotiate with the dealer with limited success so then assisted the client with an application to NCAT or the the New South Wales Civil and Administrative Tribunal seeking orders that the dealer Uh, repair her vehicle um, so she was able to use it Um, and the tribunal made a decision in our favor and the the client was able to get those those important repairs done Um, and I think given the you know the importance of 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 the vehicle for that particular client given her vulnerabilities that was an outcome that really stuck with me in terms of the assistance we've we've been able to give to the community. Thanks for sharing that Finn. Towards the end of this podcast we're going to be talking about a new and exciting development and that's in relation to credit providers, the responsible lending, financial hardship, um, that there's a new dispute resolution body. There is indeed. I imagine your team's pretty excited. Maybe that's the wrong word, but we'll touch on it at the end of the podcast, but I just wanted to encourage all our listeners to stay with us until the end because we will be uh, talking about that and and what impact that might have on uh, the clients of community workers. Sounds good. It's a very important development in, uh, in, in consumer law. So as Josh said, stick with us. So now I just wanted to ask you, Finn, what are some of the things that you like about your job and, and why is it that you think consumer law is really important? Yeah, um, I mean, I've been in the job for, um, for about a year and a half now. And what I really like about it is the diversity of work that we're able to assist clients with. I mean, I think that consumer law issues are, are some of the most common legal issues that people face. Um, and for that reason, 
we're able to assist clients with, with a whole range of different issues. We see clients that have entered into loans with the credit provider um, in circumstances where the credit provider shouldn't have given that person um, a loan. That brings up what's called responsible lending issues. We see clients that have signed up to credit cards and other forms of credit but are unable to make the repayments even though the, the contract was valid. We call that hardship um, and we work ourselves assisting clients with, with those issues and also referring clients to, to appropriate organisations like financial counsellors and, and other support workers to deal with that kind of thing. We also see situations where debt collectors are chasing our clients for money for maybe a phone bill or, or a gas or electricity bill and we can assist clients with that kind of thing. Outside of the sphere of, of, of credit, we see clients like the one I was talking about before that have consumed goods and services that they've paid for um, but that they're not happy with. So so we can help clients navigate the, the Australian consumer law in, in seeking remedies where they have those issues. We see clients with payday loans or short-term credit contracts, consumer leases, repossession of motor vehicles, and, and then more recently we've, we've seen um, quite a few clients who have debts in the context of a domestic violence relationship so so we can assist people with with that kind of thing as well so i would suggest that if you see clients facing any of these issues to to get in contact with with legal aid i think we're going to go through how how people can do that later on just to get some some preliminary advice and to try and get in as early as possible because with consumer law issues that's uh, that's often the most important thing the time limits are quite strict are they with consumer law in general yeah, they, they certainly can be. It obviously depends on the kind of matter that a consumer comes to us with. But as a general rule of thumb, the earlier a person comes to us for legal advice, the easier it is to find um, a solution for that particular client. When you give advice to a client, are you often trying to build their capacity so that they can resolve the issue themselves? Or is it you taking on the matter and representing the client to yeah, resolve the issue. yeah, that's a good question. We, we have we have a few different ways we can assist clients. One of the ways we can assist is is through a twenty minute one on one session for legal advice, and anyone in New South Wales is entitled to come in and book an appointment to see a civil law solicitor for for advice. And then to answer your question, whether we can assist a client on an ongoing basis will depend on a number of things. Um, whether their matter comes under our our guidelines, whether the client has capacity to advocate for themselves. And that would depend on um, on the kinds of questions we ask the client and, and the answers they give. In some cases, we can assist clients with matters on an ongoing basis, and there are certain things that a client will need to do to satisfy legal aid's tests for a grant of aid. Mm-hmm. What is it that you think makes consumer law the most prevalent of any type of legal issue that people's clients may have? What, what I've seen in my work is that consumer law issues tend to compound and if they're not addressed early, like I was saying earlier, they, they get worse. So, so the kinds of clients we see often have numerous consumer law issues. They don't just have one credit card that's overdue. They might have a credit card that's overdue, a car being repossessed, a high electricity bill, etc. Because of fees, interest and the consequences of not paying money when it's due to these kinds of, of providers, failing to deal with consumer law issues early often makes the problem worse and exacerbates the problem for consumers. And this is particularly the case, in my experience, for people that are disadvantaged. Um, I think that consumer law issues tend to, to disproportionately affect people that have less money. As an example of that, 
um, someone that's on on new start struggling to uh, you know to make ends meet they might be excluded from mainstream credit that they would otherwise be entitled to so they might turn to alternative forms of credit like payday loans payday loans tend to have high interest and high fees for default so while it might seem like a, a good idea at the time to get a payday loan there's a snowballing effect where a loan is used to to pay off a previous loan or a loan is used to pay off an electricity bill the issue is never actually resolved um, and and clients can find themselves in even worse financial position than they were in previously so it comes back to the issue that i've that i've raised a couple of times which is that if if community workers and, and clients come to legal aid or other organizations earlier these issues um, are easier to to unravel um, and to deal with another example of the way that consumer issues disproportionately affect people with less money is, is a consumer lease. So while um, someone with a salary might go out and, and purchase a washing machine for $4,000, someone that's struggling to get by won't have that kind of capital to expend. So they might um, enter into a consumer lease for a washing machine. And if you if you examine the, the kinds of contracts that people in, enter into in this area, quite often they'll end up paying you know three or four times the value of the washing machine over the course of the contract and then not actually own it at the end so in that way the person that is earning less is actually paying more for a um, for an everyday product one of the terms that you just used then mainstream credit what what do you mean when you say mainstream credit yeah i mean mainstream credit would refer to someone being able to get a loan from maybe a bank or another credit provider. And it's not to say that people don't experience issues with mainstream credit providers. We've seen in the Banking Royal Commission that there are there are significant issues in, in that area. When people aren't able to get loans through banks because of diligent responsible lending assessments, that's when they turn to peripheral um, credit or uh, payday loans and, and, and things like that. Sometimes people need to resort to um, to these kinds of products in order to in order to get by but we would encourage people to contact a financial counselor at that point um, who can assist with going through a person's finances and and helping them out um, you know with budgets and things like that financial counselors can be can be accessed um, for free there's a number you can call uh, financial counselors australia and we'd encourage people to to do that and also to come into legal aid and we can sort of facilitate that kind of referral. And that's the 1-800-007-007 number? Pretty sure that's the one. Okay. Can you explain what a payday loan is? Yeah, so a, a payday loan is is a, a very high-cost short-term loan. Um, under the legislation, it includes small-amount loans of up to $2,000 that need to be repaid between 16 days you know, the reason they're called payday loans is that they're supposed to, to tie people over when they get to the end of the, the pay cycle um, and need a, a small amount of money in order to meet a financial obligation. Um, and there are certain kinds of laws that small amount credit contracts have associated with them. And, and in circumstances where obligations have been breached by the provider, legal aid can assist with clients in these situations. At the beginning of this podcast, you talked about people who purchase a product or a service and then they have some issue and you've talked about our, our rights under the Australian consumer law. Are you able to give our listeners a quick understanding of some of our, our basic rights when we, when we purchase goods and services? Yeah, when you purchase goods or services in New South Wales, 
you're covered by what's called consumer guarantees. Consumer guarantees are statutory guarantees, um, which means that they're enshrined in legislation and they exist in addition to any warranties or um, express guarantees that the, that the supplier gives. So that applies whether you buy a, an old car from a supplier, whether you buy you know, a, a dishwasher, um, wh- whatever it might be, you're covered by the Australian consumer law and the consumer guarantees. And the guarantees, there's, there's a few of them, but, but the important ones relating to services are that services are fit for purpose um, and provided with due care and skill. In terms of goods, there's a guarantee that goods are of acceptable quality. And if you ask a supplier to provide goods or services for a specified purpose, then there's a guarantee that that, that will happen. Um, depending on the nature of the failure, um, if there is an issue, you might be entitled to remedies. And we can advise about how you might get those remedies. So it might be complaining to fair trading at first instance. Um, and if that doesn't work, you might have a, a claim uh, to take to the, to the tribunal. And when you say fitness for purpose, does that mean that if I go into a shop and I say that I'm purchasing these shoes for this particular purpose, so they're my, I don't know, just some casual shoes, and then if they break down after a few months, by the way, this is a real story. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, the fact that I made it clear what, what I'm going to use them for and then they, after a few months they're, they're no longer working and they've got holes in them, would that be a breach of the fitness for purpose or is that more of an acceptable quality issue uh, it, it may it may well be um obviously i can't give specific legal advice about your issue josh <laughs> good try <laughs> but um uh, it, it will depend on such things as um as what you asked or what you told the provider um when you purchased the shoes so for example if you if you went in there and you said i want a pair of shoes that are going to be good for trail running and you went trail running once and they broke you, you may be able to argue um, that the goods were not fit for a prescribed purpose it will depend as well on um, on such things as the the cost of the goods, um, the use you've put the goods to, the the time that's elapsed between purchase and um, and, and damage. It is quite a confusing area of law, and and the remedy you can get depends on uh, on how you act, having identified that breach. So in some cases you can you can what's called reject goods, and send them back to the supplier and ask for a refund. But to do that, you need to show that there's what's called a major failure with their with their failure to comply with the guarantee. Yeah. No, the only reason I ask that is because it's it's really helpful for, for our listeners to get an idea of the kind of process that you go through when a client comes in with a with a particular issue. And I found that really helpful and I'll I'll be following that advice that you <laughs> didn't give specifically to me. <laughs> Earlier on we said we would be talking about something quite exciting. And that is the creation of the Australian Financial Complaints Authority. Finn, would you be able to explain what the Australian Financial Complaints Authority does and why this is a little bit exciting? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so generally when, when someone has an issue with, um, with a bank or, or, a, or a credit provider, the first thing they might do is go to that bank or credit provider and try and resolve the dispute with them. That's called internal dispute resolution. If that doesn't work, there are organisations in New South Wales that provide what's called external dispute resolution. AFCA is one of those organisations. It's a one-shop stop for people with disputes 
with financial services or, or credit. So AFCA can assist consumers with disputes about credit providers, credit cards, home loans, personal loans, short-term finance like payday loans. It can also assist consumers where they've applied for um, financial hardship and haven't been able to come to a, a satisfactory arrangement with their credit provider. It can help with guarantees and investment and small business loans as well. As I said, it can also assist with insurance disputes, home and content insurance, car insurance, things like that. And because the SCT has now merged into AFCA, it will also be helping consumers with disputes with superannuation funds. So, for example, a a claim for TPD insurance or something like that, these disputes will now go through AFCA. Um, And that's from the 1st of November. In terms of the, the process, usually people have to try and resolve their financial disputes directly with the credit provider or insurer. After that time, people can uh, can apply to AFCA who will attempt to mediate and it might ultimately make a binding determination that, that the credit provider or insurer needs to follow. There are time limits that, that people should be aware of with filing with AFCA, which is another reason that people should seek legal advice um, sooner rather than later if they have an issue with a financial service provider. So previously people would have made complaints to the Credit and Investments Ombudsman, CIO, Financial Ombudsman Service, FOS or the Superannuation Complaints Tribunal, SCT, all of those complaints will now be going to the Australian Financial Complaints Authority or AFCA. Are you expecting AFCA to handle complaints in a different way? How much do you think things will change? Yeah, I think you know, we're hoping that because there is now a streamlined, um, uniform approach, that it's going to be easier for consumers to lodge a complaint and to, to have it resolved quickly. I think that AFCA has a fast-track process for, for complaints that may be resolved quickly. It's early days, but we're hoping that the, that the coming of AFCA will, will lead to, to quicker and more efficient outcomes for, for consumers. And you, you mentioned TPD insurance before. What, what does that stand for? We've, got, we've actually done an episode on this, so oh, right. some of our oh, community workers should know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, it stands for total and permanent disability. Usually when someone has superannuation, they also have a default insurance that's attached to that superannuation. And that's um, either or both of income protection and total and permanent disability. And those forms of insurance um, are there to cover people if they suffer an injury that means they're unable to work. It's quite a complicated area of law. So if you have a client that has said that they've been injured and therefore are unable to work, we would suggest you come and get some legal advice. Another bit of news in the consumer law space for, is for people that have a vocation and education training or VET student loan. Can you talk about what these changes are, Finn, and, and when they came in? Yeah, so we've had some very good news um, for vulnerable consumers who've signed up to courses with private training colleges. Um, as you might know, um, we've received a large number of, uh, of uh, complaints from clients um, who have been... Uh, in many cases, unfairly signed up to uh, to uh, pri- courses with private training colleges. Um, new legislation provides that a student's fee help balance um, can be recredited where the student incurred um, a VET fee help debt as a result of inappropriate conduct by uh, VET f- providers, so by, by providers of uh, private training colleges. Um, so where uh, where we consider a client has been 
um, subject of inappropriate conduct by a private training college. Uh, this new legislation uh, allows uh, the the vet student loans ombudsman to make recommendations in relation to the recrediting of fee help balances by the Department of Education. Um, so there's quite a few different organisations and bodies involved, um, but but in essence it means that if if a client has been mistreated or has signed up to a private training college. Uh, for example, under duress, there is now a mechanism for them to seek um, uh, the recrediting of, of amounts of money that they've they've incurred uh, on their hex debt or their fee help balance. Um, we've been finding that in some cases students have been um, mistreated by the colleges uh, during the process of signing up. Um, so they may have been uh, incur they they may have been uh, compelled to sign up under duress. They may have been signed up to um, a product that isn't suitable for their needs, perhaps because of their uh, a lack of English language skills, um, they may have been induced to sign up, uh, you know, through the sale of, uh, or through the uh, th through the provision of, um, you know, free laptops and and marketing like that. Um, so so where a student has signed up to a vet vet fee help uh, loan and they haven't completed the requirements for the for the the vet unit of study and it's reasonably likely that the provider engaged in inappropriate conduct um, in relation to the unit or to the course um, then then uh, students may be entitled to to this new remedy and does it only apply to loans from the 1st of january 2019 um, no the legislation applies also to older loans um, including loans that occurred prior to the 1st of january 2016 um, so I'd encourage community workers and students to come and get some advice from us about their specific uh, their specific loan. The fact that the ombudsman can now make a recommendation to the Department of Education that a, a debt be remitted is a, is a positive step forward. And can you tell us a little about what the process is after somebody puts in a complaint to the Commonwealth Ombudsman? So after a complaint is lodged, the ombudsman will determine whether it can investigate the complaint and it might ask a person to provide further information and may contact the, the provider. And then depending on the nature of the complaint and, and the documents received, it may decide to make a recommendation to the Department of Education to recredit a, a vet fee help balance. The process is designed for clients to lodge complaints themselves. So we would encourage clients to uh, to do that themselves if they have the capacity. Community workers might be able to help a, a student with gathering relevant documents and information to substantiate, uh, to substantiate a complaint. But legal aid is always available to provide legal advice on these kinds of issues, inclu including the process of making a complaint as well as any other options that might be available to the particular client. There's some more exciting news in the consumer law space in relation to fair trading, getting some new powers. Yeah, so new legislation introduced this year will give the Commissioner for Fair Trading the power to issue what's called a consumer guarantee direction. If a dispute has been through fair trading's dispute resolution process and a resolution has not been reached, they can consider issuing a consumer guarantee direction that, that requires the business to repair, replace or refund the particular good under certain circumstances. The new legislation came into effect uh, late last year on the 28th of December 2018 and it will only apply to uh, new complaints. So in other words, complaints that have been lodged with fair trading uh, after that time, so after the 28th of December 2018. And what will the process be when somebody makes a complaint to fair trading now? 
So the, the process of initiating a complaint is largely the same. A consumer will make a complaint to fair trading. Uh, fair trading will contact both parties to encourage them to resolve the dispute. And if no outcomes reach, the consumer is advised of their options. The, the difference is that now uh, they'll be advised of this new option, which is applying for a direction. Fair trading will then review the application and invite both parties to make written submissions about the complaint. Information received from fair trading from both the consumer and the business will be shared so that the other party has the chance to respond. That application will then be assessed and fair trading will decide whether to make a direction and the consumer and business are told the, um, the outcome of the application. This is, this is different from what happened before where fair trading did not have any power to to compel the business to to do anything for the for the consumer if previously if the business just decided to ignore a fair trading recommendation it would be up to the consumer to exercise its rights by uh, going to the tribunal or, or, or to the court so this is a new and significant power that fair trading have to actually compel a business to uh, to refund or or replace a good if the matter falls under the the relevant legislation how will fair trading decide if they will issue a direction or not so fair trading will give the business and the consumer an opportunity to provide written information and they'll identify which of the consumer guarantees is relevant once they've identified which of the guarantees is relevant they'll assess whether there's been a failure uh, to comply with the guarantee they'll assess whether the failure is major or minor and then they'll identify the appropriate remedy, um, which will be refund, replace, or repair. And is it free for somebody to make a complaint to fair trading? And, and will it be free to ask the ask fair trading to, to issue a direction? Yeah, it will be um, it will be free. There's no uh, there's no charge for for fair trading service. There are, however, some limits on the kinds of complaints that might give rise to a consumer guarantee direction. So firstly, it needs to be about a product rather than a service. The product must have a purchase price between $25 and $3,000. It must have been purchased within six months before the consumer makes a complaint. And both the consumer and business must be in New South Wales. Uh, for corporations, however, they only need to be, uh, they only need to have a presence in Australia. There are also a list of excluded products, so matters that aren't eligible. Uh, like motor vehicles, second-hand goods, um, solar batteries, products relating to a home building claim or a product that's already subject to a, a review by a, a court or tribunal. And I guess being in the consumer law team, Finn, you you deal with a lot of people that obviously want to make consumer law complaints. Do, do you, when you look back over some of the clients that you've had, can you see that these new powers would have made a real difference in some of the clients that you've, that you've assisted in the past? Yeah, um, absolutely. The difficulty that clients faced previously, particularly where they're purchasing a good that isn't towards the, the top end of, of cost, but, it is ne- but that's nevertheless important to, uh, to their lives. You know, a, a fridge, for example, might cost $1,200. The difficulty faced by, by disadvantaged clients when that kind of good fails is that going through the, the process of um, lodging a complaint with fair trading and then going to the tribunal where often expert evidence is required it wasn't wasn't necessarily um, a feasible option for many clients so I can see while we haven't seen any of these matters yet um, I reckon that the 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 efficiency of 
of uh, of making a complaint to fair trading and seeking a direction and the speed that that a direction might be issued um, may help uh, consumers with with uh, with claims where the product isn't isn't necessarily very expensive one of the things which I think is really important for our community workers to to be aware of is the law checkup tool oh yeah yeah and that's a tool which suggests certain questions for community workers to ask their clients so that they can identify all of the different uh, legal issues, be they consumer, family or, or crime. So I just wanted to throw that in as a quick reminder to community workers that if you get a chance, uh, please do one of those checks with your clients. Yeah, I think, I think it's, that's, a, that's a good idea. I've got a copy of the law checkup tool in front of me. And it's really just a, a summary of the kinds of questions you can ask clients to identify legal problems. It doesn't need to go any further than that. You know, you, you might ask a client, are you having trouble paying your fines? And if they say yes, that's, that's an issue that might be a legal one and you can refer um, through to legal aid. And ge- generally in New South Wales, if somebody has a legal issue, the first place they should go for free legal advice, information and referrals is, is law access. Yep. If somebody is a community worker out there listening and they've got a client who's got a consumer law issue, what would be your advice to them about the best way for them to refer a client uh, with a consumer law issue? Yeah, I, I think that um, if the client lives near a legal aid office, um, the person should contact the, the the nearest legal aid office and book an appointment to speak to a civil solicitor. That solicitor will be able to take instructions from the client, provide advice referrals and if necessary um, conduct some um, some work for that client on an ongoing basis and we'll put a link to all of the different legal aid offices and the law access number on the description of this podcast uh, so all our community workers have access to that information thanks so much for joining us Finn it's been uh, illuminating thanks Josh <laughs>